twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. And welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Keemster. And I'm Anthony Roque. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today, we'll talk about amateur or ham radios. We'll learn the basics of the amateur radio service, how to obtain an amateur radio operator license, and the types of amateur radios available. We'll also review the Bayofeng UV5R dual-band UHF-VHF amateur radio and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialist. Before we get into a discussion of the amateur radio service, let's start off with a recap of our experience at a recent event for amateur radio enthusiasts, the Charlotte Ham Fest. Right. In our last episode, we went to the 2013 Charlotte Ham Fest and recorded episode 53 of the two-way radio show almost live from our booth at the Cabarrus Arena and Convention Center in Concord, North Carolina. Yes, we did. Um a couple of weeks ago, the Charlotte Ham Fest, that was the first Ham Fest that we have ever attended as a company. And um, we haven't uh, ever really been into amateur radio. We learned a lot about amateur radio with this Ham Fest. We, as a company, buy2awradios.com is just now kind of getting into the world of amateur radio. So, you know, we, we learned an incredible amount at this show mm-hmm. about amateur radio. We met a lot of great people, thanks to everybody there that uh, was patient with us and talked to us about what they do with their, their radios, and um, especially Andy yeah. from uh, the Mecklenburg a- Amateur Radio Society for giving us the interview. I think that turned out really well. It did. It did. Re- we really enjoyed talking to him, and uh, I learned a few things from him as well so did i i learned a lot from him i actually got my amateur license there at the show Mm -hmm. so i'm continuing to learn about this hobby um everyone was very gracious at the show and uh anthony while we were out and about uh saturday uh you had um met quite a few people coming up to the booth at our booth at the show and um there was a five-year-old kid at this show who got his amateur radio license, and he was walking around with a radio, um, and he had his call letters, his call sign on the back of his shirt. Uh, Five years old. That amazed me. Five years old. I mean, the the test that you have to pass to get a license, well, it's not extremely difficult. I mean, it's it's somewhat technical. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I had to study for it for uh, several days to, to, to be sure I was fresh on all this material, so... Um, I couldn't imagine doing it at five. <laughs> well, I think it helped that uh, both of his parents were ham 
operators as well, as I understand. So he's been so, groomed to be a ham, ham radio operator since birth, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Anthony, you met some pretty interesting people to show. Yeah, yeah. I met, uh, you know, all walks of life, different ages. Um, you know, learned a lot of, uh, heard a lot of neat, neat stories about people been doing this for 50, 60 years. And, they, and, you know, probably not many hobbies out there that you can do for that long. Yeah. Know, that you can carry on for that long. That's pretty uh, pretty neat stuff. Well, let's let's start off with some of the basics about ham radio. Uh, first of all, what what is amateur radio? Let's define it. Wow, amateur radio is, is hard to define because there's so many aspects of it. There's so many different things you can do, different ways you can use amateur radio. Um, to, to start with, defining amateur radio or ham radio, it's, it's the amateur radio service, as it's called by the FCC. And uh, it's two-way radio communications for personal use. Uh, they're very strict uh, about uh, the, the personal use phrasing. You, you cannot use amateur radio for commercial activities in any way. If you own a business and have a ham license, you can't coordinate your business activities using amateur radio frequencies. That is pretty strict. Um, there are a lot of different frequencies you can use in amateur radio. And, and if you're looking at the products that are available, um, there's a lot of different frequency ranges. You'll see UHF and VHF. Um, you'll see HF frequencies. That, and the HF frequencies go a long way. Like uh, th Those signals will bounce off the ionosphere, and you can communicate for thousands of miles using uh, HF signals if you have the right equipment. Well, the types of signals that uh, are primarily used, uh, Morse code, voice data signals. Morse code is one that's most associated with ham radio use, uh, I believe, still today because it has a very long history. Right. Um, I think that a lot of people do think of Morse code when you mention ham radio. Mm -hmm. um, but voice is... Um, at least it seems to me, by and large, voice is, is overwhelmingly the type of signal that's used most. Um, but there, there are also a lot of uh, data that, mm -hmm. that's transmitted. Uh, ham radio operators have, have written software programs um, that allow you to transmit images and video and television, things like that, using ham radio signals. And that, that's some really cool stuff. Um, Morse code... If that's not your thing, you don't have to learn Morse code. There's no mm -hmm. test on Morse code. Uh, you can be a 50-year amateur radio operator and never deal with Morse code if, if you choose not to. I, I understand, you know, talking to some of the hams that you can even get into experimenting in radar bands as well. Absolutely. But all of this comes with a little catch here, and that's you have to have a license. You do have to have a license to use amateur radio. And we're going to get more detail into the license later, so I, I won't um, really go in-depth on that mm -hmm. one at, at this point. But stay tuned if you want to know more about the license. Well, let's talk about some of the uses for amateur radio, some of the primary uses. Personal communications is probably the uh, most popular use for amateur radio. Mm -hmm. Licensed ham operators can get on a radio 
talk to a local repeater and have whatever they say transmitted for, you know, up to hundreds of miles on the UHF and VHF frequencies through a repeater. And uh, I've got uh, an ARRL repeater directory that I've used over the last couple of weeks, and we sell that through our website. But uh, through that book, I was able to find probably eight to ten different repeaters in my area here. Mm-hmm. And using this radio, I, I can listen to what's being transmitted over those repeaters, and I can communicate through them. And uh, a lot of it is just people having personal conversations with each other, sort of like you would imagine on a CB radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, yeah. And these guys have known each other for a long time because they talk every day <laughs> or pretty often. Um, and, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you, you get to meet new people. And they have a term for this called a, a rag chew. Chewing the rag? Yeah, that's a. Uh, I learned that's um, a term when you, when you have a long conversation yeah. over uh, amateur frequencies. But there's a lot of other uses for amateur radio. Disaster relief uh, is a big one. A lot of times when there's a, a major disaster and communications are down, uh, amateur radio operators uh, will go in and assist in the emergency with communications because these repeater networks that they have up are uh, a lot of times the only things that'll function. Yeah, I can I can see that. In fact, that's one reason why uh, radios are popular with preppers in general because uh, if there is a major emergency or major disaster, about the only form of communication left is a radio. Right. Uh, cell phone towers you can't really get, depend on. Um uh, telephones, internet may be down, mm-hmm. but um, point-to-point communication through a radio, uh, radio-to-radio or radio-to-repeater is uh, going to work a lot of times. And the repeater directory that I mentioned, uh, there's uh, annotations for each repeater, and you can see a lot of these repeaters have emergency backup generators, so if the power goes out, the repeater stays on. So these hams are well-prepared. Yeah, uh, just a few months ago it, with Hurricane Sandy, um, hams assisted with that. Yeah, yeah, and going back to Hurricane Katrina, that was another major disaster where uh, amateur radio operators, um, you know, came to the rescue. That's right. Um, emergency preparedness, you touched on preppers a second ago. Um, people that are preparing for major disasters seem to... Uh, be drawn to amateur radio for exactly the reasons you mentioned. If if uh, there's a catastrophe, amateur radio is still going to work where nothing else will. And it's not all just uh, disasters and, and, and serious stuff here. These hams also have fun with these radios with uh, contests. And I understand DXing is a big thing. Yeah, DXing is where you use the high-frequency bands to try to make contact with people far away. Mm-hmm. And um, these guys will log their contacts into a database, and you can uh, get confirmation of, of contacts that you've made. I mean, we talk to people who would um, communicate or, or contact hundreds of people over a weekend, perhaps, internationally. I mean, they, there's contests for... Um, communicating with people in a certain number of countries. There, mm-hmm. there are some countries where there are only one or two amateur radio operators, as I understand it. So those are really prize contacts to, to get those guys. Wow. But, uh, that's called DXing when you want to communicate far away using uh, high frequency. But uh, they have fun with it. It's, it's uh, sort of a game in some, uh, on some level. 
Now, I also understand that um, hams use their hobby for um, RC and model rocketry and, and other hobbies. Yeah, there, there are some frequencies that have been set aside for RC or uh, radio-controlled devices, and the rules are actually a little different from for those. Um, normally, you have to announce your call sign mm-hmm. when you start to make contact with someone or every so often, every 10 minutes, I believe. Um, with radio control, you, you don't really have to do that because you're sending signals or, or data um, to control some other device, but you, you are required to affix your call sign to your transmitter if you're using RC. And uh, model rocketry, there are uh, a lot of devices to send altitude or GPS coordinates from a rocket in the air yeah. back to a, a receiver. And those use ham frequencies, and you have to have a ham license to buy this equipment. We met a few guys at the Ham Fest yeah. that uh, were doing that. Well, what really intrigues me about this uh, hobby, about ham radio in general, is the innovation that takes place, the amount of innovation. Um, ham radio operators don't just play with radios. They, they experiment. They do a lot of serious experimentation, and uh, they have been responsible or have been credited for helping develop a lot of new technologies that we have and, and innovating in, in various areas. Exactly. There, there are a lot of amateur radio operators that, that love that aspect of it. And if you're not a technical person, you don't like to, you know, design electronics or, or get into that side of things, you don't have to to be a ham operator. Mm-hmm. But really one of the major um, reasons for amateur radio is to give individuals the ability to – play around with, you know, making radios and making RF equipment. I like to say experiment because it sounds like, yeah, you know, That really. is a really good word. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it has led to a lot. If, if you have an amateur radio license, you have a lot of leeway in what you can do. You don't have to have FCC certified equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, they assume by you're getting the license that you have enough knowledge of radio that you're not going to cause a lot of interference with other people. That's why there's several levels of licensing, like we'll talk about in a second, each one giving you more uh, ability to, to use different spectrum or to do different things. But um, being able to innovate or experiment can lead to a lot of innovation and has led to a lot of innovation. Oh, yeah. Now, let's talk about getting an amateur license. Well, what, what's involved there? Well, there's three levels, first of all, of the amateur license. There's the technician level which is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. There's the general level and the extra level. Like I mentioned a second ago, each one of these levels gives you uh, more authority or more things that you can do. There are more uh, frequencies you can use and maybe other ways to use those frequencies. There's no minimum age requirement to become a ham operator. As we saw at the show with the, the five-year-old. I understand there's seven-year-old kids and nine-year-old kids. My son... Uh, who's 13, is working on his technician license. So um, he's due to take the test uh, shortly. Yeah, no age restriction. So that is, we need to get more teenagers into this hobby. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, a, a license is required because there's so much flexibility in the equipment that you can use. You can use uh, non-type accepted equipment. You can build your own radio because of that, you've got to have a license to use these frequencies. It, they can't just let anybody 
tinker around with these frequencies because if you don't know what you're doing, you can cause interference with other types of equipment. Well, sure. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. That's exactly right. Um, I guess to get started, let's talk about the technician level Okay. test. That's the first step in getting a ham radio license. This test is 35 questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me probably 20, 30 minutes to take the test. Um, and that's with double-checking all my answers <laughs> and everything. <Okay. laughs> um, now, you can't just memorize 35 questions and, and be fine. There's a pool of 396 questions over 35 sections. So you can print out a list of what all the possible questions are going to be. And if you're good at memorizing, you can go through these 396 questions, remember the answers, and you you'd be set. But you know what? If you go through all that work, you might as well just do it the right way and just study for it. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, just do it right the first time. The book I read was an ARRL uh, book, I believe, Getting Your Technician's License. It's right there, the uh, Ham Radio License Manual, the ARRL Ham Radio License Manual. We actually have this book for sale on our website at bytwowayradios.com, um, as well as the Ham Radio for Dummies books. And... Um, my son Tommy is studying off that one right now, and it's really not a bad read. It's, it's a little bit dry, but there are only, I'll tell you what, there are 11 chapters in this book. Technically, there are only nine, because the last two chapters, um, chapter 10 is the glossary, right? and chapter 11 is the entire question pool, so uh, with the answers. So um, really, there are only nine chapters to read. I and read uh, the only really technical one that I've seen so far is really is chapter three. Chapter three, if I recall, gives you the basics on electrical components. Yeah. So yeah. you you have to you don't need to know a lot about that, but you have to know what symbols on a circuit diagram refer to what component. Like mm-hmm. you have to know what the symbol for a resistor is, and you don't really need to know what a resistor does necessarily but just what symbol matches up to what component. Um, chapter 2, if you're not really into uh, radio, maybe can, maybe a little technical for some. Uh, a little, because a it, little, bit, a little it bit. talks about AM versus FM versus uh, single sideband. Yeah, it uh, does give you some, some, some modulation radio stuff. theory. Yeah. But uh, it's good information. I mean, you learn uh, what a wavelength is and how what frequencies really are, things like that. Um, but I read chapters 1 through 8. I actually skipped the chapter 9 on safety. Uh, oh, <laughs> I should admit that. Never skip, you should never skip the, the chapter on safety. <laughs> I always blow um, right past no. those safety warnings in the manuals, too. It's, um, it's, it's bad, right? Now, we do not, folks, we do not recommend that you do this. <laughs> always read the safety manual. That's very important. Always read the safety instructions. But I, I will say I passed, and I didn't read the safety chapter, so I got lucky. But you're going to go back and read the It's on my list, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I want you to be safe. I want to be safe. So, I just don't want to read the chapter on safety. So we have 35 questions uh, on the test, typically, 
And now, and this, every one of the the qu- possible questions is in this book. And mm-hmm. after I read the chapters, I went through and read all the questions and answers to to make sure I I, I knew everything I thought I did. And it made, they made more sense then after that. I'm I'm sure. I guess I didn't read them beforehand, <laughs> so they they made sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, now this pool was uh, put together in 2010, and the current question pool is valid until 2014. Right. Okay. So if you get this book, take your test before 2014 because there may be new questions. Okay. Um, now, as I understand it, these question pools must contain at least 10 times the number of questions on the test. So the number of questions in the entire pool may change, may fluctuate, but they have to be at least 10 times the number of so questions you be get at on least, the test. Yeah. at least 350 questions, I guess, yeah. in the pool. Right. So, you know... The books that uh, are good for studying, Ham Radio for Dummies, the ARRL Radio License Manual, which uh, we've already discussed. And there's another book, the FCC Rules and Regulations. It's a little booklet, uh, the FCC Rules and Regulations for the Amateur Radio Service. And we have all three of these books at bytwowayradios.com. And, of course, if if you order these books and use the promo code SHOW, at checkout, you can save an additional 5% off your order. That's right. Nice plug. Thanks. <laughs> Had to get that in there. Um, so th- th- what's the cost of the test here? It's cheap. A- at the Ham Fest, it costs $10 to take the technician mm-hmm. exam. And um, once you pass the technician's exam, they give you the option to keep going if you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, for no extra charge, you can take the general. If you pass the general at no extra charge, you can take the extra. So well, that's uh, at the ham fest. <laughs> at the ham fest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is is standard policy, but typically the cost is ten to fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. They um, to administer the test, they're allowed to charge a uh, nominal fee, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be much. Um, I guess the next question is, how do I take the test? Where do I go yeah. to take the test? If you have a ham fest in your area, that's probably the easy thing because a, a lot of times they're going to administer tests right there. But um, you can also check the ARRL website and uh, find a local club in your area. They're they're oftentimes doing testing there. Yeah, and the ARRL site will have uh, times, you know, dates and locations of, of where a lot of these tests will be held. Uh, and you can go to the ARRL website at ARRL.org. Um, we'll have links in the show notes for the ARRL website for anyone who's interested in, in uh, learning more about taking the test. Right. What are some of the types of amateur radios that we have available to us? In general, the, there are a lot of types of amateur radio. We have uh, mobile radios, which install in your vehicle typically and connect to an antenna that uh, would be mounted through a magnet or um, physically attached to your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are usually high-powered radios, 40, 50 watts and up. Um, there are also handheld radios, which look like right. the GMRS and business radios that we, we talk about every other week on the show. And we're going to review a handheld radio here uh, coming up in the show. That's right. There are also base station style radios. Um, these normally attach to an antenna on your roof or uh, outside somewhere. Most of the time when you see these base stations, they're transmitting on HF frequencies. Mm-hmm. They, these are the guys that are trying to contact uh, 
people far away doing the, the DXing hobby and things like that. that um, and uh, these are just the radios, uh, antennas, and the other accessories that you would normally find in a, a box for a GMRS radio or a business radio aren't necessarily going to be in, in the boxes for some of these radios because the antennas, with the exception of the handheld radios, yeah. the ten, antennas are, are basically sold separately. Yeah, with the handheld, you get everything in the box typically, but with a mobile or a base station, antenna, cable, all that sold yeah. separately. Okay. Because there's just so many different types of antennas. I mean, it depends on your right. vehicle or it depends on where you want to put the antenna at, on your home or wherever you're using your base station. So, you know. And some hams even get into making their own antennas, too. They had some a class at, about at it. The, the Charlotte uh, Ham Fest. There was a workshop on antenna making. Yeah, I, I saw they were conducting that class. Uh, we have a book on antennas. Uh, uh, my son, you know, Tommy went to the show with us, and, and uh, he won a a book on making antennas, <laughs> all about antennas. So That's right. Uh, and he actually cracked it open and looked at it the other day, and he thought, hey, this is pretty neat stuff. Yeah, I would like to learn more about that. And and um, the book that I read on getting my license goes a little into an- how antennas work, but yeah. uh, there's a lot to it. What are some of the brands of amateur radios uh, that are out there? Uh, well, ICOM is the first one I'm going to mention. They're a, a kind of... Uh, they're they're high end, uh, very well respected. Um, you know, a mid more expensive, to, mid to yeah. high priced, I'd say, but but very good quality equipment. Uh, Yezu is another one, kind of in the ballpark of, mm-hmm. of uh, ICOM. Kenwood is uh, also a, a huge amateur brand. Um, and Lushing has one, uh, or they have a few models, I think, don't they? Yeah, there, there's some uh, Chinese imports that are yeah. really uh, getting popular now. The Ushin radios. Uh, Which you always called Wuxun. <laughs> it looks like Wuxun, but yeah. uh, Rick knows how to pronounce it. Ushin. Ushin. <laughs> and uh, the, the radio we're going to be reviewing later is a Beofang UV5R. And uh, this is a very inexpensive radio that does uh, a lot. Um, Seems it, pretty popular with the ham community. Yeah, very popular because it, it's a very good radio and at a very good price. Now, some of the common amateur radio terms, uh, codes, and signals, obviously hams have their own language in the amateur radio world. Yeah, if you turn on a scanner and just start listening to a, a ham radio frequency, you're probably going to encounter some terms that, that uh, you haven't heard before. You're, first of all, you're going to hear a lot of call signs. And you'll hear some noises, too, because um, Morse code is, is still used uh, today. Uh, although it's not required, it's it's still in use. So, uh, And don't you don't know. have to learn it to get your amateur license, but it, it's out there. It, it's probably out there. And in, in, uh, the listening I've been doing, I haven't heard any Morse code. There may be specific frequencies that where yeah, that I think is, there are. I think there are specific frequencies that are reserved for CW, which is Morse code. The, but the licensed amateur operators are assigned a call sign, and yours is what, KK? KK4PIL. KK4PIL. Listen for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you have to give out your call sign at, at the beginning and the end of every of every uh, transmission, right? It's uh, Yeah, you have to give out your call sign at the beginning, and you're supposed to repeat it every so often. I believe 10 minutes is um, 
how often the, the requirement is. Mm-hmm. And in between all that, um, I, there's normal conversation, but they also use a lot of cue signals, what's called cue signals. And um, we actually have a chart of cue signals that they're, they're alongside uh, the CB uh, 10 codes, but we have a chart of cue signals, and it's available for free at bytwowayradios.com. We have a link to the uh, chart in the show notes in the RSS feed for this episode. So if you want to download this chart and see what the cue signals are all about, um, feel free to do so. Yeah, I need to download that chart myself mm-hmm. because um, <laughs> I definitely don't have all of those committed to memory. Got to brush up on your cue signals there. Yes, uh, admittedly so. So um, pretty much those are the basic basics of, of ham radio. I mean, there's a lot. To, I mean, we just barely scratched the surface here. We did. There, there's, uh, you know, we could do every show for the next year on amateur radio, and, and uh, maybe we would have scratched the surface by then. But the, the point here was to give everybody a, a basic understanding of what it is, uh, talk about getting a license, how to get a license, you know, give everybody what they need to go a little right. bit further. Hopefully we've done that. Okay. Any other comments on uh, ham radio or on the show? The ham fest? No? All right. Well, coming up, we'll review the Bayofang UV5R dual band UHF VHF amateur radio. Is this a cool little radio or is it just for amateurs? We'll find out next on the Two Way Radio Show. Searching for two way radios? Buy Two-Way Radios has what you need. Buy Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. All of our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show. This week we're going to review a dual-band UHF-VHF amateur radio from Beofing, the UV-5R. Well, normally I do the reviews on the the uh, in the podcast, but I'm going to turn this one over to Danny since he's the newly uh, licensed amateur in the building, and he's had a lot of time to play with this new radio. Yeah, this this Beofang. Thanks, Anthony. You're it's welcome. The, well, he, he'll 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 stay there and make some comments. KK4PIL. <laughs> if I do anything wrong here, let me know. He'll please, he'll, please he'll keep up with the pithy comments. <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't be the same without the pithy comments. Yes. All right. This uh, Beofang UV5R we heard a lot about at the show. There were uh, goodness, I can't count the number of people that told me. Uh, they use this radio. They, this is this is the the portable radio that they use for a day to day basis, 
and um, it was extremely popular. Saw a lot of guys wearing them. They were wearing them and using them with their speaker mics attached. And I'd absolutely, say, yeah. I'd yeah. say the vast majority of people had that radio. It, yeah, I agree. I saw it everywhere. People were talking about it. It um, seems to be an incredibly popular radio. I said we've got to have this radio on, on our website. So we've got to check it out. Yeah, we we so ordered a hundred of them. There, we've got a hundred sitting in our warehouse right now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Buy one, please. It's, <laughs> it's it's a really good radio. Um, a few days after I got my call sign, um, these radios arrived, and uh, this is the radio that I've been playing with the the ham frequencies on. I've been doing a lot of listening. I haven't been doing a lot of talking yet. I'm kind of getting trying to get the flow of things uh, first. But um, using this radio, it's really incredible how powerful it is for forty nine dollars. Wow. Um, yeah. This, that's that's a great price for... It's uh, $49 with free shipping. Um, and it is a dual band radio. It does both UHF and VHF or 2 meter, 70 centimeter, mm-hmm. which is how uh, hams usually refer to, to uh, UHF and VHF. You can listen to two different sets of frequencies on this radio. Being uh, supporting VHF, that means you can put in NOAA frequencies and listen to to weather alerts. Um, it has dual watch. It will show you two frequencies on the screen at the same time, always. Mm-hmm. And you can set it up to always monitor both frequencies, or you can tell it to, to just allow you to toggle from which one you want to listen to. Uh, there's a couple of different modes on the radio. You can flip between channel mode and frequency mode. In channel mode, you can use the programming software or the keypad. You can um, enter in, sort of pre-program, up to 128 channels into the radio. And then in channel mode, you're just flipping through your preset channels. In frequency mode, you can type in your frequency manually, or you can scroll using a preset step where you can go in, you know, um, 0.5 0.5 kilohertz, 0.25, and you can set the step as far as you want down to, I believe, 0.05. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot you can do straight through the menu of this radio. I believe there's 40 different menu options, and it, it has an LCD display, so you can scroll through on the screen and change any of those options. You don't have to go into the programming software to do it. Yeah, it's a nice little display. Yeah, it is. Um and uh, it has a flashlight. I don't know if you, you would need that, but I noticed that all, uh, right off, and I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, don't you know? That's the sort of thing you'll find on a little GMRS radio, but on a ham radio, I just didn't really expect to see a flashlight on it. <laughs> I didn't either, and you know, I don't think anybody wants to really buy this for the flashlight. It's just a little LED light, but um, then, you know, in a come pinch, in it could come in handy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a couple of modes you can do a, a steady light. Or a strobe effect, where it's basically a blinking light, like maybe an emergency beacon of some sort. I don't know. Uh, perhaps. Uh, well, I don't know. If it's that bright, but disco. <laughs> disco. I mean, power your disco with this radio. Now, Anthony, could you see a lot of these uh, old ham guys uh, doing disco here with their radios? And... Probably. Uh, yeah. Dancing with their radios. <laughs> well, those guys look like they could get jiggy with it. <laughs> um, 
what is included with this radio is, is also pretty cool. You got an 1800 milliamp lithium battery, of course, a charger, um, but also an earpiece, which, I mean, for 49 bucks, and you, mm-hmm. and you get an earpiece that probably resells separately for 10 or $15. Yeah. This is a really nice package. Kind of has everything in the package. You know, one thing I noticed about this radio that's different from a lot of other uh, handheld radios is that a good deal of the time, the belt clip will snap on in some way. Uh, and and is fairly easily removable. This one's a little different. They um, they require you to screw this on. This screws on to the uh, to the unit. Yeah, you know this radio reminds me of a Kenwood in a few ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, like it uses Kenwood audio accessories. So any Kenwood speaker mic or uh, or two pin Kenwood. Kenwood has a few different connectors, but the the main connector that we see is a two pin. And this radio supports all those Kenwood accessories. If you have a, a speaker mic or a, an earpiece that works with the Kenwood radio, you can use it on this. Um, but Kenwood also has a belt clip that's that style where you, you mm-hmm. screw it on. Well, this radio, I, I wouldn't call this radio, um, you know, super rugged, you know, uh, up to mill no. STD standards or anything like that. But it actually looks like a, a, a pretty stable radio. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't really look cheap. No, it doesn't feel um, plasticky, I guess, or toyish mm-hmm. like you know some of the low-end GMRS radios. But I, I don't think that this is a um, you know mil-spec radio. By yeah, I means. wouldn't drop it off the roof of the building or anything like that. But I, but I would say that it can probably take a few hits. It's uh, it, it looks fairly rugged for for its size and for the type of radio it is. Uh, something else I want to point out is this radio is um, FCC Part 90 type accepted. Mm-hmm. So uh, that means that this radio can legally be used as a business radio. Now, um, because there's so much configurability with this radio, I wouldn't recommend it for any business, really, to, to use this radio. Um, because, you know, normally employees aren't going to be too uh, knowledgeable about radios, and it's yeah. really easy with this radio to maybe key in a frequency and get off the channel and not be able to figure out uh, how to get back, uh, or maybe accidentally transmit on some frequencies that you're not authorized for. So for that reason, I wouldn't recommend this for businesses. But if you're a licensed ham radio user who also uses radios at work, you could program your work frequencies into this radio and then have a radio that serves multiple purposes that you can use all day. I, met a, I met a couple people at HamFest that, that did that. Yeah. Um, that would be uh, convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I can't stress enough. I wouldn't recommend this radio for normal business use. It's it's very inexpensive and very powerful. So a lot of businesses might be tempted to get this radio, but I, I don't think you're going to be happy with it because you you're probably going to run into some, some support problems where employees are are getting off frequency or, mm-hmm. or doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Uh, you can program this from the keypad or uh, through the programming cable. The programming cable is optional. That that doesn't come with the radio, but we do have that as well, and it's it's an option that you can actually purchase with the radio if you want. Yeah, that's right. We, we sell the programming cable. We have the software available, um, but there's a couple of different varieties of software. There's the, the standard Beofang software made by the company, 
which um, I actually don't recommend. It's a very Chinese. Uh, the default language mm-hmm. is Chinese. You have to figure out through the menu uh, which option says language in Chinese to switch <laughs> it to English. Um, and while the, the software works fine, there is a better option. There, there's um, some open source freeware software made by people in the amateur community called Chirp. This Chirp software will program a Beofang radio and many other radios. So uh, I thought that software was very easy to use. It's better than a lot of business radio software that we have, actually. So um, get the Chirp software with this radio and and use that. You'll be a lot happier. Although you can try, it's not going to hurt to try the Beofang software and see what you think. Both are available. But um, go with Chirp. Okay. And there's some other accessories available. We can get uh, uh, spare antennas. We have spare antennas available for it and uh, extra batteries. Uh, batteries. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it looks like a pretty good deal all around. $49.95, you said, right? $49.95, free shipping, 5% off with promo code SHOW. That's right. Yeah. I'm glad you got that in. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. I remember it. You sure did. Um, and any other thoughts on the on the radio itself? Um, uh, does it pass? I mean, it, it's popular with the hams, but do you like it? What do you think of it? I, I have been really impressed with the radio. The range is good. Uh, for a the, the antenna that comes with this radio is a dual band antenna. So it, mm-hmm. it's the antenna is set up for two meter and seventy centimeter. So if you got an antenna that was specific to one of those, you might be a little better off. But uh, I haven't had a problem receiving through the the local repeaters here. I haven't done a lot of transmitting, like I said. I'm I'm mainly listening at this stage of the game. But um, any negatives you found so far with it? uh, I haven't. Don't like about it. The Beofang software itself was uh, kind of a turnoff right away. Mm -hmm. But whenever I found the the Chirp software, that that was solved. Okay. Um, And really, the positive reviews that you see for this radio throughout the internet from other people in the ham community speaks more to its, its quality than I ever could. And people have been using this radio for a long time and, and you really don't see much negative about it. And, uh, I mean, compared to a $300 ICOM, it's, yeah. it's going to be inferior, but when you factor <laughs> what it does for, for the money, you really can't go wrong. Like I said, so lots of people using it, Everybody from that little five-year-old ham who had that same radio to some of the most experienced hams that have been doing this for 50, 60 years carrying the same radio. Yeah. As they're just little go-to radio when they're not at home at their big base station. When, when I saw that, I said, we've got to have this radio, and, and we've got them. Well, that's an endorsement if I ever heard one. Um, any other thoughts on the on the radio itself? Anthony, uh, I guess he'd call it a cool little radio. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks like it. Right. Yeah, I mean, we could really go on for a long time. I know we're over time already for this <laughs> yeah, we're episode. Way o- so we're way over time. I, uh, might have to cut this down to one question for the Q&A session. But there is something that else that I want to mention that I forgot to mention the first segment. Um, did you know that April 18th is World uh, Amateur Radio Day? I April, didn't know that. It is. April 18th is World Amateur Radio Day. Every April 18th, 
they have this. It's it's a tradition that started with the International Amateur Radio Union. Uh, it was founded in 1925 is when the union was founded. And um, uh, since then, they've been doing this uh, annually. Well, that, and, that's exciting. Yeah, well, it sounds sounds like fun to me. Well, I know we have a lot of listeners that are into GMRS because that's uh, a lot of what we talk about are GMRS radios. But uh, I'd like to, to definitely encourage a lot of those GMRS users who aren't already ham licensed to look into it. And if you're operating your radios uh, with or without a GMRS license, you know, the GMRS license is pretty expensive compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> $85 compared to uh, 10 for mine. Yeah, there's a lot more preparation and responsibility uh, involved in getting that ham license. But it's a lot less expensive it's a lot better deal when you when you look at the uh cost of getting a license that's right well we have some uh questions uh from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com and actually i think uh for time constraints we're probably just going to keep it down to one this time so let me pick the the best one that uh that i found on the list and then we'll save the save the others for another time and this is from bilco one and Bilka One says, I'm looking to replace an old G11 Midland that has been busted past cheap repair. Or is there a new model Midland that will give the same service and also fit into the old G11 charger that I have? Or what would have been the replacement for this 10 to 12 years ago? And would it still be around? I haven't been able to find any G11 on sites like eBay. And that's from Bilko One. Um, I've actually been talking to Bilko One on the forum, uh, so I'm kind of familiar with his issue. The, the, the G11 uh, was a pretty good radio from Midland. Uh, it is rather dated. It is long discontinued. It was a uh, GMRS-only radio that uh, 15 channels, only GMRS frequencies, but it had a lot of power, and people seemed to like it. It had a removable antenna, so you could connect... Uh, you know, an external antenna or a better-than-stock antenna to it. Yeah, that's something you so, don't see on GMRS radios at all these days. Yeah, because uh, now they all support GMRS and FRS. Yeah. And um, in order to get type accepted as an FRS radio, you have to have a fixed antenna. So that's kind of brought all the GMRS radios backwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, probably the best radio that, that matches up to the G11 now is the GXT1000 just because it, it is probably the most powerful GMRS radio available. So I, I would recommend that he look into the GXT1000. I think he'll, he'll be happy with it. I, I wish that we had better news on the GXT5000 because oh boy. really the 5000 is uh, the, the perfect um, radio for a G11 user because it also would have been a GMRS-only radio with a removable antenna, uh, high-quality radio, but that is, uh, we received the news last week that it's gone forever. Yeah, it's the bad news. Um, no more GXT5000 after the long waits and the promises from Midland that it's coming, it's coming, and it just, it didn't come. It, it uh, They just decided to... Yeah, they, this radio was around for a few months. And then to rest. due to flooding in Thailand, the manufacturing facilities were, I guess, destroyed. And they yeah. have never got them back online, and now they've scrapped it. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, really, at this point, there really is no... Because uh, that was one-of-a-kind kind, that was a one of kind radio, really. 
Well, everybody has stopped making GMRS-only radios. A few years ago, you had something like a Kenwood 3101 that was a business-quality GMRS radio, an ICOM F21GM. Um, now, the big business radio companies have kind of gotten out of GMRS entirely. So uh, people that want a high-quality GMRS radio are stuck getting business radios, which is um, may or may not be uh, allowed by the FCC. It's sort of a it may, it gray may area. Not, it may not be the solution for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a gray area. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all the time we have for uh, Q&A this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the two-way radio show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. Uh, before we go, does anyone have any final comment? I think we covered it. Yeah, well, we just barely scratched the surface, but I... I think uh, that's enough scratching for one day. I I concur. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.